All right, this is going to be an edit. So I'm going through my previous podcasts from, I think it's last year. I have, uh, yeah, from last year. I'm going over my podcast from last year. And I am kind of editing, um, not fully. I'm going to leave the original podcast episodes up there. But what I'm going to do is edit by putting a, like a short recording like I'm doing now in front of, or I think it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be in front of, so you hear this edit first, and then you can hear the original podcast. And I'm doing this so that way, um, well, let's start this way. I started the podcast to be a Bible study that was put up for community review. So I wanted to put it out there so other people could email me or contact me and tell me, hey, you might not be thinking it fully through here. Now, I already knew my mind would change a little bit on some of these things, um, at least in, um, in how my mind or in how I chose to believe them. Now, where the Bible came in, that's where um, my mind is still settled. Nothing's going to change what I believe about the Bible. Now, what someone might tell me as far as, hey, you're not thinking this in the right, you're not thinking of this in the right way. You're, you're thinking of this in uh, too harsh of terms. You're thinking this in uh, way too judgmental of an attitude or, or however that is, or maybe there's um, a bit of doctrine that I'm taking one verse out of context. All right, please show me if I'm taking it out of context, you know, uh, pull out some more scripture and say, hey, you forgot about this verse over here. You know, just make it to where I don't think I'm something special just because I understood something some certain way. Now, what I'm doing here is I'm recording this in front of the podcast episode. Uh, I can't remember the title of it. Um, What is an idol? So in that podcast episode, I used the Christmas tree as an example of an idol. And I also went on a bit of a tirade on why I don't like the idea of Christmas. And that's exactly the right word for it. It was a bit of a tirade. I even said with my own mouth, I have a bit of a thing against Christmas. And I feel like I should clarify because in that podcast, I was more concerned with um, saving time. I was more concerned with editing out certain audio quality defects and making sure it sounded decent than I was about actually getting my point across, which I feel is uh, kind of a disservice to everyone, including myself, because when I go back over it, I don't like the way it sounds either. So what I'm going to do now is kind of clarify the way I feel about it this year versus last year, how I've changed from then and hopefully um, explain a little bit deeper on why I have anything against Christmas, if that makes sense, with air quotes. So my idea is I enjoy Christmas as a celebration. I do. I enjoy getting together with family. I enjoy, to a point, yeah, I do enjoy the gift giving. I enjoy receiving things. I mean, who doesn't enjoy getting a gift, right? I enjoy that. I enjoy I enjoy the things that Christmas has to offer in that way, right? I I had a change of mind in a way about the traditions that people are following, right? Especially Christians, right? So as far as the world is concerned, they can 
they can have all of the all of the traditions that they want. They can have a tradition to put up a tree. They can have a tradition to uh, have a Yule log. They can have a tradition to do whatever they want. They're the world. It doesn't matter much, right? As far as Christians, there are certain things that should and shouldn't be done as a Christian, right? Um, and there's the idea of Christian liberty here, right? And Christian liberty is the idea that you're a Christian true. You're going to try your hardest to follow the Bible. But there are going to be certain things that you feel um, aren't explicitly stated in the Bible. Like, let's say this. There's the idea of smoking marijuana, right? Uh, I'm not saying that this is condoned in any way, but I'm just saying that's not explicitly, explicitly stated in the Bible. It's something you shouldn't do. It doesn't say explicitly, thou shalt not smoke marijuana. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even say explicitly, thou shalt not smoke anything, right? But it does say to have a sober mind. It does say to be vigilant. It does say to... You know, be careful and, and make sure that you're sober-minded because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a lion seeking who he may devour. Uh, devour. So there's there's these cues in the Bible that's kind of an all-encompassing term. You know, you can be sober from alcohol as well as any uh, mind-altering and intoxicating drug. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to go out there and say, "Well, I'm uh, I'm smoking pot because it doesn't say anything in the Bible about it." Well, it does say things about this. But either way, Christian liberty is there, so that way if you were going to do something like have a Christmas tree in your house because you enjoy that practice, as far as I enjoy the beauty of the tree, I enjoy the emotional feeling that it brings me at this time and my family, I enjoy the the act of going all out for the uh, for the month for the season for the time then that's your christian liberty now i still hold fast to the belief that to the belief that your feelings are unreliable excuse me i've been holding that yawn back <laughs> i still hold fast to the belief that that to the belief that 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 your feelings are unreliable, that you shouldn't base your doctrine or your belief system on your feelings, right? I still hold fast to the belief that um, that there is a spirit that guides this world. And when people say get in the Christmas spirit, they're not talking necessarily about the Holy Spirit because when people say that, it's usually in defense of things as far as Santa Claus, as far as stockings and elves and things of this nature that have nothing to do with Christianity in general, right? But having a tree decking it with lights and ornaments and and things like that i still have a bit of this is me right this is just me i have a bit of like a uh i feel a little bit reserved to do that i don't feel like i should go forward and grab a tree put it in my house decorate it put lights on it things like that i still don't feel the urge the inclination the anything i don't feel the drive to do that the need to do that that's not my heart that's not me now i i will never condemn someone for doing it though that is my point of view now i will not condemn someone for doing that that's not something that i will say hey you are sinning you are uh, not following the bible because look what it says in jeremiah i'm not going to do that that's not one it's not my place to judge in that way sure it says to uh it, it says in the bible judge not lest thou be it says, judge not lest thou be judged in the same matter in which he judged, 
right? I think I'm really grossly paraphrasing it, I think. But either way, you're not supposed to judge something in a way that you can be judged in the same way, right? So if I had a tree and I judged someone and said, hey, you should have a tree, that's basically being a hypocrite. Or let's say that I have a similar sin. I'm not saying that that's a sin, but let's just say I'm condemning someone's sin and I have a similar sin and I'm condemning them. Well, it's kind of like, you know, um, don't look at the beam in your brother's eye or don't look at the moat in your brother's eye before you look at the beam in your own eye. I'm not going to be hypocritical like that. What the point is, there's a level of Christian liberty that can be had in these Christmas celebrations, right? You can have your tree, you can have your get together, you can have your gift exchange, you can have these things and no one should condemn you for it. No one should get on their high horse and say, hey, you are sinning here. If you don't quit, you're basically condemned. You're not going to heaven anymore. That's just wrong. You know, there's so many things that are wrong with that. And that's kind of where I felt I was coming from. And I, I want to apologize for that, especially because it's something that you're going to hear here. But that was my old mindset. I'm not going to take it down because I don't want to have myself. I, I don't want to make myself look like I have uh, this incredible understanding that has never changed or is perfect from beginning or that I've never said something that I don't be- that I don't believe now. You know, I-, I believe now a little bit differently than I did before. That's not to say that I'm perfectly fine with um, having a tree in my own house. That's not to say that I'm about to bring a Yule log into my own house or that I think Santa is something that my kids should believe in. That's not what I'm saying. I don't agree with Santa. I don't agree with the Yule log. I don't necessarily agree with a tree, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to condemn anyone else. That doesn't mean that I won't go to someone else's house and enjoy that tree as well. Not to say that I enjoy a tree in the way that I'm going to say in this podcast about uh, the song, Oh Christmas Tree. I don't enjoy it like, oh, uh, what pleasure do do you bring me? That's not what I mean. I mean, if I see a tree, it is visually appealing. It's aesthetically pleasing. There is a thing about a tree and the design of it. Not necessarily the design with the ornaments and lights on it. A tree is beautiful. There's beauty in nature everywhere, and that's God's handiwork there, right? And the devil will try and corrupt it in whatever way he possibly can. The lights and the ornaments, those make it so much better. And not like, oh my goodness, we're improving on God's design. It's just, it makes it look more visually appealing, and that's just the truth right? It does look visually appealing. There's just something about the lights that I'm attracted to that pretty much everyone who puts one up is attracted to. There's something about the ornaments that just makes it attractive, right? Now, I'm not saying that it's not a pagan symbol, that pagans have not used it. They've used the the Christmas tree as a symbol. Oh man, I'm going really far into this. (laughs) But I'm just, I'm trying to, in the last episode, or in this episode that I'm putting this in front of, I I didn't go into as much depth and clarity, and this doesn't seem like it's very much depth and or as much clarity, more depth than clarity. I'm just going to so many rabbit holes without actually clearing it up at the end, but maybe this will help me put it into one sentence at the end. Either way, what I believe is, yeah, I'll I'll wrap this up. I have, I I gotta wrap this up. (sighs) I believe that you have Christian liberty and you can do what you want around Christmas time. I also believe that God works on the hearts of men. That if you're supposed to be led to believe the way I do, which it's oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't ever think that someone is led to believe in the same way I do. Everyone believes a little bit differently. But if you are led to believe in a general way the same way I do, 
about the Christmas season. Then God will be the one to lead you there. And God will be the one to convince you that your position is as correct as it can be. No one has all the answers. I don't. Nate Marino doesn't. My pastor here in Spokane, Washington doesn't. The pastor I listen to for edification on the side back from uh, Festus, Missouri, he doesn't have all the No one has all the answers. Everyone is just a little bit in the dark in this regard and in every regard. Now, there are certain things that are so clear in the Bible that you can't be in the dark necessarily, like salvation and how to get saved, just to believe on the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved, right? But there are things like this that it's a little bit fuzzy, you know? Like, I can't tell you that your celebration of Christmas is in any way something that should be condemned. I can't tell you that because I don't truly believe it anymore. I don't truly believe that you could be or should be condemned for doing that. Do I believe that people can still make an idol out of a Christmas tree? Yes, I do believe people can make an idol out of a Christmas tree. Yes, they can. Definitely. 100%. I'm not saying that everyone does. I'm not saying that the act of putting a tree in your house makes it an idol. I think I think I mentioned this in the podcast. I don't think I did because I haven't went over it before I recorded this. But I think I said something about getting on your knees in front of the Christmas tree to open presents. If I didn't, here's here's the example. Someone has said, "Hey, if you get on your knees to open the presents, then you're getting on your knees in in essence worshiping the tree for the gifts that it's given you." Well, maybe, but no, it doesn't seem that way at all. I've never gotten in front of a tree when my parents had a tree in the house. I've never gotten in front of that tree to open my present and said, thank you tree for my gifts, or even had that thought in my mind, or even something similar to it. The tree was there as something to hide the gifts under, not necessarily as the bearer of the gifts or the producer of the gifts. Everyone always knew that my parents were the ones to get the gifts, or the local basketball team that sponsored us one year. Everyone always knew where the gifts came from and that it wasn't from the tree. No one was thanking the tree as if it was a god that we were worshiping. So that's where my mindset comes in as you have the Christian liberty to not worry because you're not worshiping it as a god. Because you already know in the back of your mind this is just a decoration. Sure, I only bring it around Christmas time, but there are things that I only bring around in summertime, like flags, right? Like the colors of the red, white, and blue for 4th of July. And that's a strictly American thing, but still. There are things that happen seasonally because of traditions of men. So I'm not going to ever get on anyone about the traditions they follow unless it's... I mean, if it's completely pagan to the core and witchcraft involved, well then, yeah, you can say something. But at that point, it's, it's, it's not about the Christmas tree or about the act of... Christmas celebrations. It's about pagan symbolism and witchcraft. And at that point, it's it's a completely different argument. It's not about Christmas. It's about the witchcraft. I don't know. I'm going into a rabbit trail here. Either way. Either way. What I wanted to do with this short little introduction is to say my mind has been changed just a little bit. Like I've always prayed. I prayed to Jesus, change my mind if I need it changed. I don't want to be stuck in the same ways if those ways are wrong in any way. If I need to change, help me change. You know, I, I need to have a 
not an ever-changing mindset. I don't want to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but I want to have a true understanding of doctrine. It was so hard to look at myself and say, this is something you truly 100% believe in because I didn't. I felt like I was condemning people even though I was saying out of one side of my mouth, I'm not. I still felt as if I was. And that's because I didn't truly 100% believe exactly what I said in that last podcast. I didn't clarify it enough to myself even. So I hope that I clarified it a little bit better. I know I still have trouble clarifying certain things because I don't follow any set piece of paper that I could have wrote to say, hey, I could have had a little introduction thing written where I say, hey, here's point one, two, three, four, five, and this is how, this is my summation of it all, but I didn't do that. I just tried to go freeform here. I'm, I'm finding less and less time to do these things, and that's just something that I have to deal with. It's not like I have an audience that's waiting for me every single day. I haven't gotten an email about why I haven't put up any episodes in so long and that's just the nature of it I don't I'm not upset I don't I don't feel upset because no one emails me I I actually wouldn't want someone to email me asking me for advice because I don't have all the answers I'd rather just have them email me saying hey you might not have all the answers and hopefully that's something that comes through either way I hope this has been clarifying as much as it can be and go ahead and listen to um, the episode coming up And if it's something that you think is a belief that you'd want to follow, if that's something you believe the Lord is leading you to, then by all means, go for it. I've changed my mind is the point of this introduction. That's the point of it. So without any further ado, here is the episode. start this one off with the title which is just what's an idol and the reason why I ask it that way is because well I have a I have a blog post about this one and in the blog post it talks about definition of the word idol and and a few other things and in the article there's a portion of it that asks the question what's an idol and then I go into a, a little bit of a spiel talking about whenever I get into conversations with people, what they consider an idol to be. That's that's what comes out of it. So I want to talk about that specifically right now. So when I talk to people about what their definition of an idol is, usually they kind of shy away from the whole topic in general because they want to... I mean, I'm not sure. It feels like they have some sort of pet thing that they don't want to classify as an idol. And that just seems like something that shouldn't be the way it is. But that's my opinion in that in that way right now. So let me um let me actually follow the WordPress uh, blog that I have a little bit farther in this and then I'll get into more of what what I mean by by saying all this. So the start of it says that it's, uh, well, I'll just read straight from it. It says, this article is going to piggyback off the last post I published uh, about when when exactly Jesus was born, or at least the Christmas part of it. 
In that article, I was using the true date of Jesus' birth to prove that celebrating Christmas is perpetuating a lie, and that since we're children of the light and children of God, uh, we should be striving to worship God in truth, because truth is pretty important to God. So in the argument of why Christmas shouldn't be celebrated, there are other things that come up, and specifically, the, the thing I want to bring up in this article is the Christmas tree. And I want to take the time to explain why I classify the Christmas tree as an idol, using the Bible to do so, and why that's another reason that Christmas shouldn't be celebrated. Um, I, I have a bit of a thing against Christmas. Not necessarily the getting together as a family, not necessarily the time you spend with family, even the gift giving. That's nothing that, that should be gone against, I'll say it that way. That's nothing that should be shunned or anything. The problem I have with it is that you do all this, and there's some pagan rituals behind part of the tradition and celebration, but you bring Jesus' name into it. And I'll say this now, like I've said before, and I'll say again, there's nothing wrong with having family time or um, having a celebration that involves family and, and doing that for, for that reason. The problem is whenever you bring in the world's traditions and pagan rituals, in a sense, like I'll, I'll get into too much of this and not even have full history to back me up by saying this, but... Um, the Yule log, in a sense, is I'll, I'll just like stop there and then I'll, I'll find uh, some more things to bring up about this in the future because I'm not ever going to be done with this topic, I don't think. So I'll just stop there because I don't have full, like I said, I don't have full history behind me to say anything about this. But the Yule log itself is completely pagan to the core. So you bring all these things into it and and the tree itself and the star that you put on top of it and, and, and things of this nature. And you say it's to celebrate Jesus or to represent Jesus and it has nothing at all to do with Jesus. Nothing. I mean, since when does a tree represent Jesus? He died on a tree, but that's it. And it wasn't even a tree. I mean, it was a cross. It was hewn down, the, the tree. It was, you know, made into a cross. It's not a tree in that sense. So either way, either way, that's going off into a tangent. So all I'm saying is, there's, there's a thing I have against Christmas, so just so you guys know, at least the celebration that everyone has come to know as Christmas, I have something against that itself. And then the name itself. I mean, Christmas, I mean, it's a conjunction word. The word Christmas has Christ at first and the word mass at the end, right? What is mass to the Catholics? The practice of mass is the idea that Jesus Christ becomes literally not not just figuratively, not as an act of remembrance like the Bible tells us to do, but you literally create Jesus out of the wafer or cookie or cracker or piece of bread or whatever you want to call it that literally becomes the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm saying this in the best way I possibly can. They believe that that is the physical, literal body of Jesus. That as it, I've heard some people say that if you drop the wafer on the ground, that you can't step on it because you're stepping on the body of Jesus and you'll hear a scream. And that's not that's not true. It's not right. It sounds terrible in the back of my mind. But that's just the way that I'm hearing it in my mind, I guess. So either way, that's, I mean, it's a conjunction word. So that's, mass is a representation of the death of Jesus. So it's Christ death basically is the word Christmas. So it's hard for me to even say Merry Christmas back to someone just to 
um, save face in that sense. You know, I don't agree with nearly anything about it. So that's just me either way. But I mean, I'm, I'm getting way too far into this. So let's just go forward into this. Um, the word idol, right? We'll start with that. So the word idol and its different forms, such as idols, idolatry, etc., um, occurs 131 times in the King James Bible. So I'll list a few of them, as well as the content of those verses, and I'll list the references to the rest, because there's just a lot there, like a whole lot there that I can't really get into too much right now. Um, it, it, I mean, to save time, look, I'm already six, six and a half minutes into this, and I haven't even gotten into a portion of the article. So to save time, we'll just start with this one. So Leviticus 19.4 is where we're going to start off, and it says, Turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 26.1 says, Ye shall make no idols, nor grave an image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 26.30 says, And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. Deuteronomy 29.17 says, And ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Then we'll get into the last verse of this. Uh, these examples. 1 Samuel uh, 15.23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, one thing I want to get out of the way kind of up front here is that, what was it, the first three verses that I brought up really, really, really does not sound like anything to do with a Christmas tree or really anything that we can think of nowadays, right? We don't have an image of any uh, modern day God. I mean, as far as I know, there's no image of Dagon or Astaroth or any of these gods of the Bible that pagans will go to in some kind of place of worship and worship them. There's, there's nothing like that nowadays. But we're looking at the word worship in the sense that you need a place or a house or a building or a church building or a body of believers to consider it worship. That's not the idea that the Bible's giving us. But also, like I was saying, the the indication that we're getting from the, uh, the verses is that they're made out of gold or uh, they're carved or they're um, manufactured in a way to um, represent something, right? Something else, like a, like I, I referenced Dagon, right? The I believe that was the fish god. Um, it, I, either way, we're, we're talking about, though, right here, what was it? Uh, ver, uh, Leviticus 26.1, it says, Ye shall make no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. So we don't bow down to stone images, uh, statues, idols. We don't do that. Uh, then again, Catholics kind of bow down to idols. But either way, we don't really do that or see that in that way in this day and age. My, my problem is, though, like I said, and I'll say it again, the idea of the word worship. We really needed to define that. So let's just get into this next part right here of the, the the Webster's 28 Dictionary of the word idol, and then we'll get into the definition of the word worship. But let's just get the word idol down first, and then we'll come back to the word worship. The 1828 Dictionary says this about the word idol. Anything on which we set our affections, that to which we indulge in excessive and sinful attachment. 
then it gives a verse reference. I like that about the Webster's 1828 because it goes hand in hand with the King James Bible in the sense that they used some of their uh, translating methods by reading the Bible and receiving the context of it. So here's what it says in 1 John 5, 1. An idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts of his rational creatures. So, I mean, that's not the actual quote from 1 John 5, 1, but it uh, it took that from it and it just uses 1 John 5, 1 as an example. Uh, and you know what? Speaking of which, let me just pull that up right now so I can read 1 John 5, 1 so we can get an idea of what it actually says there. So 1 John 5, verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, in other words, when it says in uh, the Webster's 1828, when it says an idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts of his rational creatures, the idea is that you need to love the one who begat, the one who was begotten. So, it, it's, I guess, I mean, it works that way. So... Then in the post, I have, geez, way too many references here. So I had to decrease the font size down to like six. Um, so there's, there's a good amount there if you wanted to go through that. Um, but in nearly every single verse, and I'd say every verse, but I know that certain verses can be interpreted in multiple ways. Um, but in nearly every word, every verse, the word idol has an interpretation of turning away from God with your attention, your worship of the Lord, so to say. So I want to lead in a few examples of how you can turn your attention or give worship to a Christmas tree. But before I do that, I want to talk about the definition of the word worship. And that's what I meant by getting uh, back to worship a while ago. So um, the word worship occurs 198 times in the King James Bible. And this is where the Webster's definition of the word worship comes in. So the word worship means to perform acts of adoration, to adore, to pay divine honors to, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration. Thou shalt worship no other god. So let's let us let us get into the Christmas tree part of it, and then I'll get into a few other things that can be worshipped, right? So um, take a quick look at the lyrics of the song "O Christmas Tree," and that'll show you how you could get caught up in worshiping a tree, right? And these are lyrics that honestly I don't believe are from the song that's played on the radio most often, but I think it's the original, so. If it sounds strange and foreign to you, that's probably why. But it says, Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, you can please me very much. How often has not at Christmas time a tree like you given me such joy? Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, you can please me very much. I mean, it's a tree, right? So what kind of pleasure does a tree bring to you? I mean, to me, it just sounds a little bit... um like worship, right? Like it doesn't sound like you're just having a dandy old time with family. It sounds like you're adoring a tree. It just sounds weird. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. It doesn't sound like a natural feeling towards an inanimate object. It's it's I mean then again, it's just what it sounds like. It's not what's truly in your heart. But I mean, what really is in your heart whenever you sing along with these lyrics and whenever you put up that tree, I mean, what's really in your heart in the background? Are you really saying, Jesus, this, honestly, in all honesty, this doesn't seem like it has anything to do with you because let's be honest, it just doesn't seem like it has anything to do with him. 
So let's say that that's what we're saying in our hearts. It really honestly doesn't seem like it has anything to do with you, but I'm doing this for you. Like, how, how does that make sense in your head, like in your mind? I'm not trying to like, I know it sounds a little bit like I'm degrading, but I'm really not trying to. I'm really, really trying to ask how it makes sense to say that a Christmas tree is a representation of Jesus and that decorating it with ornaments and ribbons and candy and candy canes and my mom made homemade chocolates when we were younger. I mean, she would go the whole nine yards. But like, what does it have to do with Jesus? Like, it's just a question. It's something that I haven't had answered yet. Usually people will say, well, it's just something that's tradition. It's just passed down. Well, have you taken the time to figure out why it's been passed down and what it represents through its traditions? Doesn't sound like it. Either way, um, let's get into the family part of it. When I'm talking to my family members, I seem to get the same arguments over and over again, where I hear people say, well, I'm not worshiping the tree or the tree isn't an idol, but it seems like they don't look at the biblical definition of the two words. I mean, the Bible says this about using the Bible to interpret the Bible. And this is something that people really get tripped up on. If you want to use a Bible word and say, and, and, and bring the Bible into something or the idea of Jesus in the Bible or the idea of Jesus into something and not use the Bible to interpret it, there's a problem. But if you want to use the Bible to interpret something, you have to use the Bible. You can't say, well, oh, I don't think the word worship means this. You have to use the Bible. So this is what the Bible says about using the Bible to interpret the Bible. Isaiah 28.10 says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. In other words, when you're reading the Bible, and you're trying to define something, whether it's a verse, a doctrine, an idea, something, right? Let's say it's the definition of a word, like what we're doing right now. You have to have precept upon precept, meaning there has to be two examples, at least, right? For out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall the matter be established, right? That's the idea of the Bible. There's two witnesses, First Testament and Old Testament, right? It doesn't have to be from both Testaments, but two verses should agree with each other, right? on a certain idea if you're going to treat it as if it's some kind of um, doctrine that we should be teaching, right? Line upon line, line upon line. Verses are written in lines, right? So line upon line needs to be line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Back to uh, New Testament, Old Testament. Or back to from one book to another book. Here a little, there a little. When you're defining something through the Bible, with the Bible, an idea, a precept, a practice, a tradition, anything, you have to do it by the Bible. And there has to be examples of it. Proverbs 27.17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. If you're trying to teach your friends something through the Bible, it should be done with the Bible. If you're going to say you're doing it through the Bible, with the Bible, however you're going to say you're going to do it. So... I believe that when you're trying to define, let's shorten that all in saying this. I believe that when you're trying to define something from the Bible, that you should define it or interpret it the way God intended it to be defined or interpreted. And that's with the Bible. Because God's word is everlasting. Right. Um, I do want to end this kind of on a, a different note because I, I can understand how someone would say that this episode or this podcast or even like, this episode or even this whole podcast could sound like I'm trying to degrade certain people or bring people down or judge or cast judgment. I can see how that can be interpreted. I understand how it could. I'm going to get that out of the way right away. I tr I'm trying not to. I really am trying. I'm, I struggle with that specifically. 
I mean, I really struggle a lot with the idea of trying not to sound like I'm judging someone or even trying not to judge someone. It's hard for me not to. And I don't understand why I'm no better than anyone else. It's just, it's a hard thing for me. I think it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's pride because I really have no, nothing to be prideful of in in, um, in the sense that I'm something holy because I honestly know I'm not. But it's just, it's something that I have a hard time doing. It's hard for me not to do that. So if I come across as being judgmental or casting judgment, I really do sincerely apologize. I'm not trying to do so. But that's just, I feel like this is something that had to be said um, about that topic. And I truly feel a calling to do something in this in, in this space, right? In, in the podcast space, in the teaching space, in the teacher space preaching space I feel a calling to that and that's just me I'm I feel like I'm not doing the best job of it right now and that's just me um slacking in multiple areas I'm not 120 percent committed and I've heard a few preachers say that if you want to be a preacher make sure that that's the only thing you want to be because it's not easy to be a preacher and if you could do anything else not like if you could, because you can do a lot of other things. Even preachers can do a lot of things. But it's the sense that if you would do anything else, do that other thing. Because it is not easy being a preacher. And I'm not going to act like, oh, I know what they mean right now. Because it's hard for me to uh, to even do this. And I'm not even doing a great job versus what they do. But it's something that I do feel like I'm being called to. So I, I'd appreciate if um, if you feel it in, on your heart to pray for me in this uh, in this endeavor. But I mean, hopefully, hopefully God blesses this uh, this podcast, the article I wrote. I didn't want to come off as spiteful or more harsh than it needs to be. I, I want it to be more of a reproof than anything else. Not not a reproach, but a reproof. Something that's uh, edifying to uh, to anyone who who chooses to listen. If nothing else comes from this article, I just hope that God blesses you in the uh, in the search for a decent podcast. So God bless you and thank you for listening.